You're listening to KCBS In-Depth. Democracy is a little bit of a gamble and a little bit of a miracle. This idea that we will all agree to be able to govern ourselves. The people, places, and issues the Bay Area is talking about. The materials you need to build a wildfire-resistant home, are they're all here. They're on the shelf at your local, your local hardware store. What do I do if someone pulls off my headscarf? But what do I do as someone who has privilege when I see one of my neighbors or, or friends being attacked? This is KCBS In-Depth. We are in the thick of the holiday shopping season, and this year, shoppers are spending in record numbers. But more and more, that shopping is happening online, meaning that for many, the holiday shopping frenzy is less elbowing through crowds at the mall and more refreshing browser pages on the desktop. I'm Keith Menconi. This is KCBS In-Depth, and today on the program, we're going to dig into what this past week of record-breaking online sales numbers means for the holiday season. First up, when the whole world moves online, who gets left behind? Retailers that work on really thin margin, brick-and-mortar retailers, are going to be faced with an economic situation that can't sustain. Then, amidst all this holiday shopping, online scammers are out in force, too. We'll take a look at how you can keep your digital purchases safe. You know, there is no 100% secure website. There is no 100% security for your system. All that more coming up. While both Black Friday and Cyber Monday pulled in record-breaking online sales numbers, foot traffic into physical stores actually saw a decline this year on some pretty key shopping days. So, can the brick-and-mortar retailers survive in an increasingly online world? Well, we're going to find out what this shopping season has to tell us about that question. To help us out, we're joined now by two guests. First, we've got Bill Pierce. He's an assistant dean and chief marketing officer for UC Berkeley's Haas School of Business, where he teaches marketing. Welcome to the program, Bill Pierce. Thank you, Keith. And we're also joined by Mario Maganam. He's president of the San Francisco Council of District Merchants Associations, which advocates for local small businesses, especially retailers. Uh, He's also a small business owner himself. Welcome to the program, Mario. Thank you, Keith. Um, Thanks for being here. Uh, So let's put some numbers to all this. $5.4 billion of online sales for Black Friday, $9.4 billion of online sales on Cyber Monday. Big, big numbers, record-breaking numbers, actually. Uh, But we actually saw a 6% drop in foot traffic to real-world stores on Black Friday itself. Uh, So I've heard this year described as a tipping point for online sales versus real-world sales uh, from some quarters. Uh, Bill Pierce, what are you seeing? How significant are the trends of this holiday season? Well, I I think what we're seeing is a continuation of a trend that's been occurring ever since online retail appeared. the percent of online retail is now 14, 15, 16%, depend on, uh, depending upon who's adding up the numbers. And the big impact, I think, is still to come. Uh, as more sales shift online, which is what every analyst is calling uh, as projection, retailers that work on really thin margin, brick and mortar retailers, are going to uh, be faced with increasingly just uh, a, a, an economic situation that can't sustain. So I think we're looking at uh, a shakeout in the retail industry, which has started to occur, only quickening pace coming forward. All right, so definitely a lot of pressure out there. Let's get the view from Main Street now. 
course, nationally uh, over the last year, we saw a quickening pace of retail closures. Here in the Bay Area, we've also seen the number of retail businesses drop significantly over the last 10 years or so. Uh, what did this past weekend look like for retailers you've been speaking to, uh, Mario Maganam? Hi, Keith. Um, well, it's been mixed. I think that uh, those businesses that have been uh, innovative and creating an experience and attracting customers and marketing customers um, have seen an uptick. You've also got to remember that uh, many brick-and-mortar uh, retailers are also adding online sales to their portfolio of services for their customers. So you kind of have a hybrid option which allows them to compete. Now, those small businesses that are doing business as usual and just assume that they open their doors and the, you know, open the doors and the people will come are, you know, starting to wake up to a, a, a rude awakening. Mm. How crucial is this time of year for the retailers you're speaking to, Mario? For many of the retailers, it is extremely crucial. Um, oftentimes, many um, uh, overhead laden, heavily overhead laden businesses run in the red for most of the year. Um, and this is the time of year where they are actually hopefully run into the black. And so it's kind of a mixed picture for some of those. I, I suppose for those that are running a bit behind, it's a pretty anxiety ridden time. Absolutely. I have a feeling some businesses are going to wake up uh, in January and realize they can't continue for the next year. And uh, would would you agree with uh, Bill Pierce when he says that this year is just a continuation of what we've seen in years past? Or, or would you say that the pain has been greater uh, for some of those businesses this year? Um, I think it's a continuation, but I also agree that the, the pain is a little bit greater for those that aren't adapting. I think it's just a natural evolution. And I think uh, brick and mortar retailers have to realize that they have to get into the online game. And there's very, really very little to prevent them from doing so. Well, Bill, uh, what are you seeing in terms of that kind of adaptation, more retailers getting into the online game? Of course, you know, the big box retailers, the famous ones, the the Walmarts, the Targets, they've been getting online for uh, a, a number of years now. Uh, there's plenty of different ways to shop with those places online. Is that a possibility that uh, smaller businesses are taking advantage of as well? Well, I think the smaller businesses are trying to do this, Keith, but the the problem still remains. As they move to an online uh, uh, footprint and become what the industry calls an omni-channel, omni-channel retailer, the spread, the financial pain uh, that they're feeling, it doesn't go away because the shipping costs, the administrative costs, the running a website and a fulfillment center are all things that uh, require expertise, uh, are also thin margin, highly logistic driven businesses. So it's not a panacea. It's something that they need to do, but they're going to have to find a partner to work with uh, to take some of that burden off them. Otherwise, all they're doing is they're splitting their options and they're creating as much pain as they are gain. And uh, Bill, sticking with you for a second. So you're painting somewhat of a dire picture for brick and mortar retail. In in your view, I mean, is is online going to essentially replace all of our storefront shops in the coming years over the next decade or so? No, I don't think it's going to replace it, but I think it's going to recast uh, the retail landscape. I still think there's a tremendous role for retailers, but they have to start stop thinking like retailers and have to shift their mind, mindset. Uh, I would encourage local uh, brick and mortar retailers to start thinking like a concierge 
Uh, it's not just the fast fulfillment of a transaction. It's, hey, can I show you how to use that most effectively? Can I show you something else you might be interested in? They have to expand their portfolio. Service is the one lever that brick-and-mortar retail can still uh, beat uh, the e-commerce retailers. There's nothing like going in, having a conversation with somebody, introduced to a new product, show them how to successfully use it. That's their advantage. They've got to take advantage of that. Retail has a pretty simple formula. It's number of people through the door times the amount of money they spend. They have to work uh, both sides of that equation. They have to, if, if traffic is going down, then they have to figure out a way to sell more to the people that are coming in the stores. Otherwise, Yes, it's a very bleak feature. Mario Maganam, uh, president of the San Francisco Council of District Merchants Associations. What are you seeing in terms of ways that retailers are adapting? Are they meeting some of the challenges that Bill is laying out there? Absolutely. And I think Bill uh, highlights a lot of the the good options. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if you could order something online at night and be told that you can pick it up at your corner retailer? Uh, the very next day rather than having to wait for it to show up a day or two days later on your front porch and have it be at the risk of being stolen. There's also the conscientious consumer where, you know, online retailing has uh, created its own little environmental impact. And some people could argue it. But one thing that people can't argue is that the online retail returns has created a, a unique and concerning environmental impact. A lot of a lot of purchased items going back in boxes and being shipped long distances, and the environmental footprint uh, that they're creating can all can no longer be ignored. All right, so definitely a, a lot of things to keep in mind as we continue our conversation. Real quick, though, I want to remind our listeners that you're listening to KCBS in depth. I am Keith Manconi. Today, we are looking at the fate of real-world retail as holiday shoppers increasingly turn to the digital world to make their purchases. Joining us uh, for some insight, we're joined right now by Bill Pierce. He's Assistant Dean and Chief Marketing Officer for UC Berkeley's High School of Business, where he teaches marketing. We're also joined by Mario Maganam. He's the President of the San Francisco Council of District Merchants Associations. Uh, turning back to you, Bill Pierce, so we were talking there about some of the different ways that retailers are trying to lure people back into their physical doors. We've been hearing a lot in recent years about how people are trying to make shopping back into an experience that people actually, you know, crave. Some whether it's an event, whether it's some kind of music or some like a reading if it's a bookstore or something like that. But at the same time, I'm also reading that there's kind of a shift between uh, places that can pull that off, you know, the high-end malls and all the malls around America that are closing down because maybe they don't have the resources to pull off that experience. Are, are we seeing maybe a little bit of a divergence of the retailers that can hack it and those that can't? Oh, I, I think that's absolutely the case. I mean, I think the, the retailers I look at today that are doing uh, an exceptional job of drawing people in are because they provide something that you just can't buy online. So if you're interested in outdoors, you can't get an experience uh, with a product like you can get at REI versus what you do buying it online. I mean, having someone who's an expert show you how you can get the best out of your equipment or your purchase is just an invaluable service and goes into uh, you know, the, the total decision consideration. So I think those retailers that have created uh, either the treasure hunt mentality that Costco uses or REI and experience or, you know, 
feeling like, hey, not only do they help me get the right product, they help me use it correctly. Those are the retailers that I don't worry about. They'll figure it out and, and they'll be fine going in the future. If you're just trying to chase uh, uh, people that just want to buy something for the cheapest possible price, uh, there's just no way that you can beat Amazon or Walmart. So uh, those that adapt have a chance to survive. Those that stay with the old formula are just doomed for irrelevance. Mm. Now, so we're talking a lot about the challenges facing retail and how many shops are really going to struggle to stay open. Let's talk a little bit more about why it is that we average consumers maybe should be rooting for retailers to stay open, the brick and mortars to stay open. Uh, Mario Maganum, uh, from your perspective, watching all these local businesses in San Francisco, why should I, average consumer, be concerned about their welfare and their ability to adapt to this world? Well, Keith, uh, you, and I hope you're a conscientious consumer, uh, have to realize that uh, when you shop in a, a brick and mortar retail that's around the corner from your home, you're supporting your local economy and you're supporting a local employee who probably doesn't live too far away from where you live, where as opposed to online, you know, you're sending money sometimes, many times, oftentimes out of state um, to a, a, a warehouse that's got a lot of automated systems that's not employing people. So you got to remember, uh, shopping locally is a, a way of, uh, you know, nourishing your own society and uh, it uh, keeps things going in your community. Could you imagine if all the commercial corridors got boarded up and closed down what that neighborhood would look like. And that's the very neighborhood that you may be living in. Um, the blight, um, the unmaintained streets, uh, the dark, the darkened streets. Um, you got to remember that uh, not only are retail merchants providing a service, but they're also the eyes and ears for the community. I mean, no one wants to go to the coffee shop and just buy a cup of coffee. They want to go see Sam down there because he makes the coffee just the way I like it. And I like chatting with Sam and he, uh, his kid goes to soccer with my kid. So it's, it's, it's a sense of community, and I think we really need to do that. And I, it'd be a, a big loss for everybody, not just the retailers, um, if uh, we lose that. Mm. Uh, Bill Pierce, so hoping you could jump back in here. Tell us, uh, from your view, you know, there's a number of different things that local governments are considering in San Francisco in particular. Voters are going to have the chance to weigh in on a tax that uh, would potentially penalize property owners for not getting businesses in their stores, leaving uh, in their properties, leaving those properties empty. How important is it, do you think, uh, for local governments to try to get those storefronts open? Is, is that an important part of the local economy? Oh, it's absolutely a, an important part of the local economy, uh, especially in San Francisco that has uh, such a reliance on tourism. Uh, you know, people come here because Look, there's so many things that San Francisco can offer, but part of the San Francisco experience was going down to Union Square and was uh, doing holiday shopping. Now, it's harder to attract people from the East Bay or the South Bay or the North Bay to come into San Francisco to do shopping now. However, we have a tremendous amount of people that come to San Francisco for the holidays or come to San Francisco in the summer that retails a big part of that experience. And it's not necessarily the big boxes. It's the, the places that made San Francisco great, the uh, local establishment. If we lose that, uh, you know, there's a ripple effect throughout the economy of the Bay Area. And it's something I don't think we can afford. So I think the city um, needs to uh, focus in on how can we make it easier for uh, local merchants to either open 
or reopen their stores as opposed to just thinking about this as uh, another way of, you know, how do we tax ourselves into the situation we want? Make it easier for local business to open. Make it easier for local businesses to serve local and tourist needs. And I think the the role of retail will continue to thrive in San Francisco. And uh, Mario Maganam, uh, closing thoughts for all our listeners out there as they're getting into the closing stretch of their shopping season. Uh, what would you hope that they keep in mind about local retail and uh, all the hard work that's going on out there? I, I would I would highly encourage them to shop locally. I mean, uh, it's not a panacea. It can't be an all or nothing. It's a good mix. But always keep your local businesses in mind and Feel good about those purchases because you are contributing to your own economy, your own community, and uh, you're keeping the money local, which is going to be to your best benefit in the long run. All right. A good place to end the conversation right there. We have been speaking to both Bill Pierce. He's an assistant dean and chief marketing officer for UC Berkeley's High School of Business, where he teaches marketing. We've also been speaking to Mario Maganam, president of the San Francisco Council of District Merchants Associations. Uh, thank you both for joining KCBS In Depth. Thank you. My pleasure, You're listening to KCBS In-Depth, our weekly deep dive into the events and trends shaping life in the Bay Area and beyond. I'm Keith Manconi. Today, shopping season is here, but as we've been discussing... Holiday shopping is looking a little different than in days of yore, as more and more shopping goes digital. We've been discussing what the shift to online has meant for local businesses, how they're adapting, how they're struggling. But no matter how committed you are to shopping local, it's 2019. We get it. It's likely you'll be making at least some of your purchases online. So next up, we're going to look at how you can do that online shopping safely. Because the truth is, while the holidays may be your time to shop... They're cyber criminals, time to hunt. And each year around this time, we see a spike in all kinds of digital crime. For some guidance on how to get through the wild digital wilderness this season, we're joined on the program now by Professor Ahmed Benafa, a cybersecurity expert at San Jose State University. Professor Benafa, welcome to the program. Thank you. So uh, I just said there, it does seem like cybercrime does see something of a spike over the holiday season. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's actually uh, a big season and for both the uh, criminal and also for the deals. You're talking about 70 million Americans. They did their shopping on uh, Cyber Monday, and we uh, hit a, a high record of $9.4 billion uh, on, on Monday by itself. And so it's just a matter of they're going where the scamming opportunities are. Yes, because of the the uh, share volume of the people uh, buying online. And uh, you will be surprised to know that the last hour of Monday, Cyber Monday, there was actually uh, a sales. Oh, I mean, American, uh, they spent uh, $12 million a minute in the last hour. So you see this flow of money. Of course, the criminals will be really looking forward for that one to to uh, to grab some of it. Right. It's just the salmon swimming down the stream. The bears see an opportunity there. Time to swipe. Now, let's talk about some of the most prevalent forms of scams and cybercrime that we're seeing this holly jolly holiday season. Uh, among them is uh, phishing schemes. We're seeing a major spike, even even compared to years past. Obviously, all these digital crimes. We've had the Internet for a while. We know what's going on. We've been seeing it for a while. But even compared to last year, we're seeing a spike in some of these phishing schemes. Is that right? That is absolutely true. The, the thing about the phishing, it is 
uh, it's the easiest for the criminals. All what they're going to do is just send you an email as if it's coming from one of your, uh, for the retailers that you are dealing with. Uh, and and there, is, there are links and there are uh, attachment and people will, will look at it and say, well, like Amazon has sent me this one telling me that I have to click on this one to check my uh, order or to, uh, uh, to uh, you know, fix something with my, my account. That is, that is the phishing part of it. They send it to millions and millions. And if the percentage is 1% that they can get out of this one, you're talking about thousands of people will be scammed. And so we're talking about if uh, somebody sends you an email, there's a link in that email, you click on that, that gives them the opportunity to use malware against you on your own system. Absolutely. They will take you to a website, and this website will ask you to enter some information, for example. Once you enter that information, it's gone. They mm. got information like, okay, your username, your password, the last four years of your social, or some kind of uh, you know, identification for you. And once they get that information, nothing happened after that. And mm. this is why one of the biggest advice we can give it to, uh, to everybody is receive an email from a retailer. Uh, don't click on any link. Don't open any attachment. Just go straight to the website of that retailer. Right. And so I guess the main way to keep yourself safe is to just be very conscious of what links you're clicking on and where that email is really from. Well, I mean, the link, don't click on it at all. You know, and the, the attachment, don't touch it. All what you're going to do. Uh, emails. All what yeah. you're going to do is just, uh, I have this email coming from Amazon. I'm going to go to Amazon and check my account and see mm -hmm. what's going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, and for the most part, these companies are not going to be sending you links like that. Uh, that is true, because if they have anything, they will send you a notification to go to the, their website and check it. All right. Another scam to keep an eye on this holiday season, e-skimming. The FBI actually issued an alert about e-skimming uh, earlier in the holiday season. Um, I don't think I was familiar with that term before I started preparing for this interview. Uh, explain to us, what is e-skimming? Well, e-skimming is, is uh, increasing the level of technicality where you go to the website and you have no idea that this website being injected with some malware, some software, while you are filling that form, this information transmitted back to the cr criminals. After you finish, nothing will tell you, you know, that mm -hmm. your information is stolen. Yeah. Uh, you, have to, you have to look at the, the how, how is the cybersecurity and, uh, or online safety. It's a race between the criminals and the good guys. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you, the, the more technical we are becoming, the more the criminals will use these tools against us. Oh, so even if it is the real website, there Absolutely. might be malware on the website, yeah. retailer doesn't even know it. Yes, and, and, and this is what I say, it is a responsibility of both sides of the screen. Uh, it is a responsibility for the merchant and retailers to make sure that it's safe, that it's n no malware. We have the same thing for, for the uh, shoppers. They have to mm -hmm. be careful about, you know, going to those websites. But, I mean, that's pretty tough. What, what can you do to spot that? I, I, I think most people would think they're on a reputable website. They're good to go. Well, this is the challenging part of it. I agree with you. And that, that's why the uh, merchant and retailers, they are trying so hard to make sure that, uh, you know, their website is clean. Now, one thing you can, you can really use to uh, uh, check that the website is really secure, look at the HTTPS, the S at the end. That will, that will tell you the link is really secure. So that will be a good sign that this website is really secure. So that will be the first sign. HTTPS, so that would be in... The address bar. The address bar. So if it has that, then that's a good sign. That's a good sign, yes. All right, one more digital trend to uh, dig into before we get to maybe the bigger picture here. Uh, that would be Grinch bots, another term that is <laughs> new for me. It sounds uh, somewhat festive and whimsical, but uh, there's a serious side here. Tell us about Grinch bots. Well, it's, it is from the name itself, which is yeah. killing the joy of the holidays. <laughs> right. So what happened is... Uh, 
they created programs, small programs, they call them bots, which is uh, they scan the, the internet for the deals, hot deals, mm-hmm. and they fill the forms automatically, uh, and then they buy those, those deals or those merchants, and then they offer them on a third-party website uh, with a higher price. So this is the e-commerce side of it. Now, there is, a, there is a dark side of that one, which is when you really see that one and you say, this is a good deal for me, and you start filling in your information about your credit card, they steal your information at the top of taking your money. Mm. So it's a double you know, you know, uh, problem for, for the shoppers. And uh, I saw this statistic. Tell me if this is true. I read that something like 97% of all of the traffic that a lot of these big websites are getting are actually bots that are part of these scams? Yes, 97% of all online traffic is for the retailers is coming from those because it's easy to program them and they can run yeah. by themselves without any you know, monitoring, just collecting this data, collecting this information, and then moving it to a third party and offer that one to sale. You can program the whole cycle. And so from the perspective of shoppers, the reason that this is a, a grinchy little bot is because it's getting in the way of them getting the deals that they want? Yes, and, and they, I mean, we've been waiting for the, the holiday season because we have a list of friends and families who would like to buy stuff from them. I don't know exactly what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And when I go there, I know that there's a good deals. It's going to save me money. Instead of buying two gifts, I'm going to buy four gifts now with the same you know, number of dollars. So what happened with this now? I lose that opportunity. And that's, that's, that's not fair. That is grinchy. You name it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, is, is there any advice for consumers, or is this just a new reality? Well, the the it is a new reality, but uh, uh, this is a race again. The cybersecurity is is a race, so mm-hmm. we we're getting into this Grinch bot. So we have to find a solution with this one by making sure that the bots were not going to make those deals and 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 grab all these uh, products. So this is definitely a good time of year to talk about cybersecurity, but probably the best practices for cybersecurity are things that you can do year-round. Give us, give us the top couple of things that people should keep in mind year-round to stay cyber-safe. Okay, perfect. The number one is uh, the, uh, don't click on any links or uh, download any attachment or opening attachments coming with emails. It doesn't matter from where this comes because you can go to the website of the retailer. Number two is uh, make sure that you are using a credit card instead of a debit card because you mm-hmm. are protected in this case. And if you are uh, one of the people... Protected by uh, your bank in general. Yes, yeah. exactly. Protected by the bank. Because with the debit card, you have, I think, up to $50. And after that one, you know, they're not responsible for, for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is uh, when, you, uh, when you talk about uh, uh, setting alerts. So mm-hmm. uh, set up alerts on your uh, credit card. Anything above $1, you have to send me a text or an email saying that there is a purchase. And disable the international purchases completely. Mm-hmm. So if somebody got a hold of your data and tried to buy something from outside the United States, uh, then they're going to stop them. This, this, is the, this is another important thing you have to keep uh, in mind. Uh, the other thing is a lot of people now, especially the new generation, they're using something like Apple Pay. They're using you know, all the different Google Play, Samsung mm-hmm. Play. This is a good way for protecting your information. Why? Because uh, this, uh, this layer of, of using this service is, is not transmitting your, your credit card information. It's just transmitting a unique number for the device. Mm-hmm. So your credit card information is not used in mm-hmm. this transaction. That will be another layer. Of, of protection. All right, so digital wallets, a, a smart exactly. way to go. All right, well, a lot to chew on, a lot to pay attention to as we head on our way through the holiday season. I certainly am not done with my holiday shopping. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are not yet either, so words to live by for the next couple of weeks. Uh, we have been speaking today to Professor Ahmed Benafa. He is a cybersecurity expert at San Jose State University. Thank you, Professor Benafa. You're welcome. Thank you. You've been listening to KCBS In-Depth. Remember, you can find past editions of the program online or wherever you get your podcasts. 
For KCBS and In-Depth, I'm Keith Manconi. Listening to KCBS in depth. Get every episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Visit KCBSRadio.com for more news and interviews. We are the Bay Area's news station, KCBS.